Church should be a place to go to ask the most difficult questions in life. It should be a natural place where we go and discuss the things that matter the most to us. But sometimes that's not the case because people are a little bit afraid to ask questions in church. A little afraid to ask questions in this community. And sometimes, we have to admit, it's because they're afraid of us. Some of the questions are, are about us, right? We're, we're wondering things about ourselves. But we're afraid to ask questions about sin and addiction and temptation and sexuality and identity and all of that because, well, people are afraid if they ask those questions, someone in church is going to say, why would you ask a question like that? Those are not things that we talk about in church. And so keep them to yourselves. Now that may or may not be true, but I think those are the things that people are worried about. Some of the questions are about God. Who is God? Does he care about me? What kind of God is this? What does he think about hum humanity? And, and how does he work within our world? And, and people are, again, a little bit afraid because they think that we might say, don't you know the answer to that already? You should know that. Now again, we might not be willing to say that. That might not be our reaction, but people are afraid that they're the only person wondering about that. But what I've learned is that most of the time when we ask a question in a room with as many people who are in this room as are right now, someone else is probably asking the same question. Someone else is probably, probably wondering the same thing, but we're afraid to ask and they're afraid to ask, so the question goes unanswered. Well, Today we continue in this series that I'm calling Ask, and, and we're doing this for a couple of reasons. One is we're dealing with some of these big questions and attempting to find biblical answers to those questions, turning to Scripture and allowing Scripture to speak into the question rather than us just sort of saying, here's my best guess. But second, so that we continue to, to develop a culture in which people are unafraid to ask their questions. Because they're going to look for answers somewhere. And church should be the safe place to ask those questions. Now today we continue, we've asked some pretty difficult questions already, but I think this is a question that, and if it's not all of us have asked this question, it's pretty close. And the question is this, where is God when I need him? Have you ever asked that? I think most of us at one time or another, maybe it wasn't in those words, but we've asked something similar where is God when I need him? When is God going to show up and help me deal with this difficult situation? I know I've asked that question, and I bet there have been times you have too. I know there was a time in my ministry before we were here, and, and in the church we, we were there, and, and things were not going well. The church was not really growing, and the staff couldn't get along, and, and it was sort of miserable. It was miserable to go to work. It was miserable to show up on a Sunday, and, and I wanted to ask God, when are you going to show up? Where are you? I mean, this is the church. This is, this is the place that we should be growing because we're excited about who you are, God, and, and what you're doing, and it's not happening. And these people can't even get along. So God, why don't you show up and intervene? Why don't you do something? And I kept asking that question and wondering when God was going to answer. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there today, 
you're in the middle of an illness and you're wondering when God is going to act or your marriage is falling apart and you're waiting on God to do something about it or your kids won't talk to you or your parents are giving you all kind of grief or your work is miserable or your finances are a mess and you're saying, God, where are you when I need you? We're not the first ones to ask that question. In fact, there are several places in Scripture when that question is asked. We could look at the book of Job. You could read several psalms this morning that asked that question in one way or another. In fact, Jesus was asked this question. I referred to it a couple weeks ago, but it's in John chapter 11. Jesus' good friend Lazarus has gotten sick, and his sisters Martha and Mary sent for Jesus and said, Hey, come and, and help our brother. And Jesus didn't. He sort of waited around where he was until Lazarus was dead, and then he showed up. Martha ran out to him, and she has this question. John chapter 11, verse 21, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, there's our question. Where were you when we needed you? You've shown up too late. Why didn't you come when you could have and save my brother? But, but what's interesting is she follows that question up with this sort of little glimmer that there's still hope. Verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. But she's asking our question, where is God when I need him? People have been asking that question for a very long time. It's a big question, and we don't have time to really explore all the answers to it. But what I want us to do today is to look at uh, one passage of Scripture that I think at least points us in the right direction if it doesn't give us as full an answer as we'd like. And I'm not sure there is as full an answer as we'd like. There is no way to wrap this up in a nice, neat bow and sort of be done with it and walk away and say, yeah, I've got that figured out. In fact, it's a lifelong endeavor to answer this question. But Romans chapter 8 helps us see some of the answer. Now, it hasn't been that long ago that we did a whole series on this chapter and really parked there for several weeks. But I want to hit a couple of the high spots that I think help us answer this question, where is God when I need him? Now, if you begin in about verse 18, I'm not going to read that today, but if you begin there, what you'll find is Paul saying, you know what, our world's messed up and we're waiting on God to fix it. Now, yeah, we know that, okay, we, we know our world is messed up. It doesn't take long looking around. Uh, December 11th of last year, we were beginning to sort of get into high gear for Christmas in our church. It was a Sunday. As Christians gathered in St. Peter's and St. Paul's Church in Cairo, Egypt, a suicide bomber also gathered with them and detonated that bomb and killed 25 people who had gathered for worship. And we say, God, this world is messed up. Where were you when we needed you? And here we are. Looking at a world that is messed up. Working, looking at a world that we don't understand. I mean, this world is, there's something wrong with it, right? I mean, we look at God and say, God, if everything were right, chocolate would have the same nutritious makeup as broccoli, right? I mean, if I'm an all-powerful God, that's what I'm going to figure out on day one. But it's not. And there's lots of stuff that's messed up. 
And what Paul says at the beginning of this section is, listen, we're waiting on God to do something, and we have to be patient about it. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? That God is working all things together. He's going to recreate everything. He's going to make things right in the end. And we say, God, what about today, though? What about today? What are we doing today? Are you going to act today? We skip down a little bit. Go down to verse 26. Paul says in the same way, this is how God helps us, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. If we want to know how God is going to help today, it begins there with the action of the Spirit. Now, that's something that we've missed out on a little bit, I think, at times. We don't talk a lot about the Spirit of God. It's too mysterious. We don't know what's going to happen when we talk about the Spirit, so we just don't talk about it. Paul does, though. And he says, listen, there are times when you don't even know what to pray. Have you ever been there? I mean, things were so messed up and confused and complicated and complex, and you just said, God, I don't even know what to ask for. I don't see how this situation gets resolved. I don't see how there's any good news, so I don't even know what to say. God says... In those moments, the Spirit speaks for us. And so if we want to know how does the Spirit work in our lives, here's one way. He speaks for us to God when we don't even know what to say. When the problem is so big that we don't know what to ask for. How does the Spirit work? You know those days when you think, I don't know if I can get out of bed and face this world, and you do. Those days when you say, I don't know if I can keep working on this marriage, but you do. When you think, I don't know if I can keep parenting, and you do it anyway. I don't know if I can face my job, and you go anyway. I don't know if I can deal with my finances, and you do it anyway. I don't know if I can go to church, and you do it anyway. That's the Spirit of God at work in you. Even when life is really difficult. Verse 28. Probably the best known verse in this chapter. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's a great passage. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And and that verse at times has been used a little bit in a trite way, sort of thrown around to say, listen, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. God's at work. He's working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Awesome. No problems, right? And we want to say sometimes, listen, things aren't going to work out. It's not going to be okay. Because there's death and there's broken relationships and there's divorce and all this stuff that just tears us up inside. And we don't want someone to read that verse and say, listen, it's going to be okay. So what is Paul saying there? It's not trite and it's not easy. What he's saying is, listen, I recognize that there's death and divorce and broken relationships and layoffs and all this stuff. But even in the midst of all that blackness, God is still at work for you. Now, it's not going to be necessarily an easy solution. Maybe it will be. Maybe God is going to solve all those problems and you're not going to have to worry about them anymore. But what we do know is that even when it seems darkest, God is still there and still at work. 
for us. We may not see what he's doing for a very long time. We may not see what he's doing until the end, till we're in eternity, but God is at work today in your life. There's no doubt. One day, you'll understand it. We'll understand it. We'll see what God is doing. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? With all the stuff that's out there that seems powerful, that seems to overwhelm us, that we can't seem to control, if God is for us, who can be against us? No one. If God is for us, who can really oppose us? No one. There is nothing more powerful than God. And he says this in sort of a culmination of the whole chapter, the last few verses. It goes this way, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing separates us from God. Nothing separates us from his love. Now sometimes it feels that way. It feels like all those things we've talked about, death, divorce, broken relationships, sickness, spiritual sickness, all the stuff he mentions, it feels like that, that, that creates a wedge, it drives a wedge between us and God, that somehow we're pushed away from God, that he is not present with us. Paul is saying, with all that stuff at work in your life, you can be sure that you will never, ever be separated from the love of God. It will always be present. No questions asked. Even when you mess up. Even when it's your fault. I mean, part of Paul's answer to this question of why does bad stuff happen is because we're sinners. But part of his answer is also, even when we sin, God still loves us. Even when we sin, God is calling us back to him. Nothing separates us from God's love. So, what's Paul's answer? Our question is, where is God when I need him? And the answer is, God is right where you need him. God is there. God is present, and God is active. We go back to that story of Lazarus and Martha and Mary, and we know they went to the tomb and you know, Martha had given that little inkling of hope that maybe Jesus could do something, but even as they're at the tomb and Jesus says, roll away the stone, she says, we can't do that, it's going to smell. But they do. And Jesus called Lazarus out. And he came out alive. And that's not always the way that God solves problems. But the point is, even when we think things are hopeless, there is still hope because God's Spirit is at work and because the love of God found in Jesus Christ is at work as well. Where is God when we need him? He's right there, right where we need him. And if that's true, there's three words quickly that should characterize our lives. And the first is confidence. Confidence that God is there. Confidence that he is present and active and he's not ignoring us. 
that's what we know to be true. And if that's what we know to be true, if we have confidence in that, then we can take it to the second word that should characterize our lives, and that's faith. We put our faith in that kind of God. We choose to trust that kind of God. We choose to trust him not only for this life, but for eternity. We trust him with everything we've got. And if that's the case, the thing that we do is to pray. And that's the third word, prayer. We should pray to a God like this. We should take our deepest needs, our deepest questions, our deepest concerns to him. Even when the question is, God, where are you when I need you? It's okay to ask that question. If it weren't, the Psalms wouldn't be filled with people asking that question. God can take it, and he'll still be there, right where we need him. So where is this God? He's where I need him the most, always with me. Let's pray together. God, we come before you and we thank you for your presence that we don't deserve and your presence that we sometimes don't even understand. God, we pray that you will make us fully aware of who you are and where you are. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.